What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Filato, joined as always by Chris Flum. And Chris, we learned something pretty interesting about the New York Giants yesterday. Came across the timeline that the Giants released linebacker, starting linebacker, probably the only linebacker that you're confident in starting. Blake Martinez yesterday, and it was a pretty big shock. And Chris, my initial reaction to this, especially after I saw ESPN's Jordan Ronan report on it, that this was a mutual parting of the ways. I think Blake Martinez might have facilitated this release because this is somebody who's looking to get paid and he wasn't named a captain. And I don't think it was a jaded situation or anything like that. But if you read the tea leaves, he took the personal day on Wednesday and he's probably looking for the bag. And let's be honest, he wasn't going to play a full complement of snaps in Wink Martindale's defense. What was your initial read on this Blake Martinez situation? And how do you feel now? Yeah, first off, I'll say it was definitely a surprise, uh, partly because the Giants timing is always top notch. I had literally just finished cooking dinner, checked the Twitter and yeah, <laughs> so much for eating said dinner. But I, I kind of come down in that in that same feeling towards it, where I, I really do think this was mutual. I think Martinez saw the way things were going with the team where you know, he he lost his captaincy. He lost the mic. He Xavier McKinney is now the quarterback of the defense. Martinez was really going to be a sub package player in this defense. And he is coming back from a, from an ACL and he's going into the final year of, or would have been going into the final year of his contract. This would have been his really last chance at getting another good free agent deal just based on his age. So I think he wanted to go somewhere where he could play all of the defensive snaps, where he could play 60, 70 snaps a game, as opposed to 30 or 40, be a part-time player, have all the questions, you know, what can he do after the ACL? Is he, is he over the hill? Is he washed up? Should we give this guy a good contract or is he just a role player now? And also, I think Blake Martinez is a competitor. He doesn't want to be on the bench. Now, he's a team player, but he's a guy he wants to be out there playing, not shuffling on and off the field. He wants to be out there for all 70 snaps or you know, however many your defense plays. And I think he wanted to go somewhere where he could get that playing time where he could have that role as a leader of the defense. And he just wasn't going to have it here. You know, he was going to be a part-time player. Even if he was healthy, I think he would have been a part-time player in this defense just based on the scheme, how important defensive backs are to this scheme and his own skill set as a defender. Get ready, man, for 
big dime dollar type of packages where there's going to be like six DBs out there. And I think some of the additions that we're going to go over later will lend to the flexibility of Wink Martindale employing said packages with multiple defensive backs and some that have the skill set to play in the box relatively well. But this is a loss right here to the linebacking core. And I think you're right. He was being proactive. You got to look at it from an optics standpoint. Blake Martinez is coming off of a torn ACL and he's just about 30 years old. If he played, you know, 500, 600 snaps for the Giants this year, what kind of contract was he going to get? He probably wasn't going to get the bag, the money that he thinks he deserved. This is somebody before the injury last year played three consecutive seasons north of a thousand snaps. I thought, man, maybe he could reunite with Patrick Graham. I know they just acquired Denzel Perryman. Maybe there's still room for someone like Blake Martinez. I hope he lands on his feet. This seems like an amicable separation between the Giants and Blake Martinez. Now the Giants are left in a situation where you look at this linebacker room. You got a bunch of young guys, right? You got Carter Coughlin, who's still a young player. Someone I didn't really expect to make the team. Obviously, Tay Crowder, someone who hopefully he fits better in this defense than he did with Patrick Graham because he really struggled reading his keys and knowing his assignments over the last two years. It seems like he's having a solid camp. Austin Caletro is back with the team. I think he was like released for a little bit, and I believe he was back. I think I saw that come across the timeline. And then you also have Michael McFadden. The Therian Beavers injury sucks, man. That's very unfortunate. Cam Brown, don't know if he's going to find the field as a linebacker because of his ability to play special teams. But Chris, dude, how worried? are you about the linebacking core right now? Because you have the tight end dearth, you had the cornerback dearth, you have a lot of other positions where you look at, and it's like not a lot of depth here, but the linebackers, man, that is that is a scary situation at the moment. I'll say the if we're bright-siding this, there are plenty of opportunities for these young guys to step up and establish themselves as players in this league. But realistically, yeah, uh, the defensive line needs to ball out. That. I think that's the best way to phrase it because these young guys, there aren't really any proven players there. Tay Crowder played a lot last year in relief of Blake Martinez when he went down with the ACL. But like you said, he struggled. He's athletic. Yeah, he's athletic enough to be a modern NFL linebacker, but it's just the mental aspect of the game, reading the keys, like you said, all the things you just talked about, those weren't really there for him. So these guys are going to need to be protected by this defensive line. And I was just thinking, you go back a week, week and you know, two weeks ago, and part you know, half of the Giants front seven was Kayvon Thibodeau, Aziz Ojolari, and Blake Martinez. That's what they were looking at for the first game of the year against Tennessee Titans. Well, now Thibodeau and Ojolari are probably on the bench. Blake Martinez is somewhere else. I'm going to say hopefully not Dallas or Philly because this feels like a, a thing they would do. But, you know, it, it really does change the the complexion and the dynamic of this defense, at least from what we were expecting not that long ago. I'm wondering if the Giants are going to go and pursue someone, right? Like they've been very active on the waiver wire, bringing in a bunch of different body types to supplant a lot of the back-end roster pieces. And you look at this linebacker core right now, according to our lads, the starters, you have Tay Crowder as the weak side linebacker, and then Micah McFadden as the mic. That's a big responsibility right there for a rookie fifth-round pick. Somebody who, let's be honest, was being outshined 
by Darian Beavers. And it sucks so bad for the kid, man, because if Darian Beavers did not get injured, he would be the starting Mike. He was having a really good camp and he was flashing in the preseason before that injury against the Cincinnati Bengals. So it's very upsetting that he's missing out on that opportunity. But now it's up to Micah McFadden to step up and seize this opportunity because, man, this is one golden opportunity for him. So you told me yesterday or two days ago that Blake Martinez wasn't going to be on the team. I would have been like, wait, what? He made final cuts. What are you talking about? Is he traded? No, it's it's a released type of situation. And now we just have to see how the Giants can put the pieces together because guess what, man? You got Derrick Henry coming down the pipeline. You got Christian McCaffrey coming right at you. <laughs> the running backs that the Giants see early in the season there, no joke. And the Giants are going to have to be ready. Best of luck to Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, Justin Ellis, Nick Williams, Jihad Ward, who I think will really factor into their run defense as well. It, it could be a it could be a situation where the Giants are just struggling to stop the run. But I have faith in the the front guys. But that second level, man, that's that's that could be problematic. Yeah, the, the I would say the first three games of the Giants season. That's a it's a big welcome to the NFL, kid. Like you said, Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, and then the running game in Dallas. Which yes, their offensive line has taken a hit, but they still got some good running backs there. So this defense, there are concerns about it between the secondary and now the linebacking core. They're going to get tested early. The three players who were put on IR, just because we haven't mentioned this, we speculated on it though. Shane Lemieux, Ellison Smith, and Rodarius Williams were all placed on IR, opening up three roster spots for the Giants. And the Giants have also made several moves, man. They added a bunch of players. We'll name all the players, but Chris, I kind of want to, get your opinion on who do you think out of all the players, the New York giants added since final cuts, who do you think will have the biggest impact and who intrigues you the most? I'll say the the two guys who intrigue me the most are probably Jason Pinnock, the safety, the giants got off of the waiver wires from the jets because he was one of the stars of the jets defense. They, from everything I've been able to find out it, it seemed like he was in line to be their third safety. He had been playing very, very well since converting to safety from cornerback a year ago. And also Tony Jefferson. How can you not say that dude isn't intriguing to have? He's on the practice squad right now, but I don't think he will stay there for very long. Jefferson has been one of the best safeties in the NFL. He's getting a little older now, so it makes sense that, you know, he's kind of slowing down a little bit, but he's, Super versatile, very smart, and I have to say, a guy I have wanted on the Giants since the Arizona Cardinals put an original round tender on him and he was an undrafted free agent. I don't understand why the Giants didn't put a claim on him then. He would have been amazing with Landon Collins, but I'm glad to have him now. Also kind of looking at Wyatt Davis and Jack Anderson, the two offensive linemen, just because... The Giants' offensive line is is what it is right now. <laughs> what does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Yeah, the two names that jump out to me, and Jefferson has experience with Wink Martindale from their time in Baltimore. Pinnock, you nailed that. I think he could find his way onto the field in some of these defensive sub packages. And the fact that he played in Pat Narduzzi's defense at Pitt as a cornerback and then went to Robert Sala's defense as a safety where they run a lot of quarters, a lot of two read type of coverages where you have to be smart. You have to mentally process the routes from the opposing offense from the wide receivers and then basically stick to them in a man coverage type of situation. And you look at his mock draftable chart, man, he's just a very, very good athlete and he has the size that you want. So he seems to have the profile to have success in this Wink Martindale system. And then the other player is Jack Anderson, man. This is somebody who was in Buffalo with Joe Shane, with Brian Dable. They did sneak him through waivers, I think. And then Philadelphia signed them off of their practice squad, played some snaps against Giants late in the season. And then he started against the Dallas Cowboys and he looked really good, man. I have a breakdown on Big Blue View. If anybody wants to go and check out that tape. I know it's a small sample size, but I came away impressed with Jack Anderson. And I think he, Chris, could realistically start for the Giants at left guard right now because he can play center. He could play left guard. He could play right guard. He was a four-star recruit that had offers from Alabama, from Penn State, from Ole Miss, from all these power five schools. He ends up going to Texas Tech to play with Cliff Kingsbury, and he falls to like the seventh round. I think the Giants might have found a really solid player there. And it's off the waivers, man. That's, you know, sign me up for that. Yeah, you know, I think you're right. I think he could wind up starting for the Giants, particularly if Ben Bredis and Josh Azudu are going to be out for a little bit, because not only do I think he has the ability to be at least an acceptable starting left guard, that would allow Devery Hamilton to go back to being their swing tackle. Because right now the Giants don't really have a lot of depth at the tackle position. They don't have a whole lot of depth anywhere on their offensive line. And as well as Devery Hamilton played and, you know, he's shown he can play tackle. He's shown he can play guard. I think I might feel a little bit more comfortable if they have him as depth. And then Anderson is playing that kind of natural left guard position for himself. And the giants also added another offensive lineman in Tyree Phillips, who was a former third round pick out of Mississippi state by the Baltimore Ravens. And Anderson, man, he is, he's quick. He is fast. You get him into space. You use him on screens. You pull him. He's very effective in that area. Tyree Phillips is a little bit different. Tyree Phillips is like six foot five, 350 pounds. One of those maulers. 
And when you go through his tape, and I'll have a piece dropping on Big Blue View shortly on Tyree Phillips, totally different player than Jack Anderson. Tyree Phillips really struggled to protect his outside shoulder when he was playing tackle. I did not like his tackle tape. I thought from a technique standpoint, from a hand standpoint, from a footwork standpoint, from a balance standpoint, he struggled. But his tape in at guard, which is where he started week one against the Raiders in primetime Monday night football last year. Other than that, he played tackle. It's pretty solid. It's pretty solid because he's big. He's brute. He's protected on the left side and the right side by teammates, by his friends. And I think that's the way you maximize someone like Tyree Phillips. And if he can get his hands on you and fit him inside with good timing and plays with good leverage, he's pretty solid, man. And he's really strong. But I look at these two, and I'm much more excited about Jack Anderson than Phillips. I just see a lot of warts with Phillips' games as of right now. But either way, you need to add depth. You need to just throw darts at the dartboard and try to fix this offensive lineman. It's similar to last year, right? When the Giants were going into the season making trades for freaking Ben Bredesen and Billy Price. They traded B.J. Hill away from Billy Price. The guy's not even in the NFL right now. Yeah, it seems like no matter what the Giants do— they always kind of seem to go into the go into the season with a with an offensive line that's held together with bubble gum and duct tape. Honestly, I'm not even like knocking Shane for this. This is a situation where the roster wasn't great. He inherited and he tried to upgrade it. And then a bunch of different injuries have really just afflicted this specific position group. I mean, think about it, dude. Marcus McKe- Marcus McKeithen might be in the line to start. And that's somebody we would never have thought would have been in line to start. But given the injuries, he might have had an opportunity if it wasn't for the torn ACL. Yeah, not long after he was drafted, we were wondering if he was even going to be able to make the team based on how many offensive linemen Joe Shane had brought in. The injuries are a big part of it. It seems every year the Giants have one position group that just gets taken out by injuries just depth charts gets cut straight to the bone by injuries and this year it was the offensive line and also joe shane didn't have a whole lot of resources you know he had a bunch of draft picks this year made 11 draft picks but the giants have been right up against the salary cap the whole way through and that is just going to hamstring you no, no matter what you do and I appreciate the fact they added a guard center and they added a tackle guard. So there's some flexibility there with both Phillips and Anderson. They're also addressing the secondary because they added Justin Lane, a former third round pick at a Michigan State, six foot two, 192 pounds, and Nick McLeod, former player on the Buffalo Bills, I think practice squad. I don't really know much about McLeod. I haven't gotten my eyes on his tape yet because the Giants are just adding people <laughs> at the rapid right now. Justin Lane, I've seen a little bit of. To me, he seems a little bit stiff, might not be the best fit for man coverage. And I talked with one of my buddies who covered the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he he said that 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 was the case for him. But he also mentioned, I didn't see this because I didn't watch the special teams of the Pittsburgh Steelers, that Lane was a really good gunner, and that's what they've been using him as. So maybe he'll be a gunner on special teams. That could be where he figures to fit. But with the current depth at in the secondary for the New York Giants and with the uncertainty surrounding Aaron Robinson, you know, who knows? We might see Justin Lane actually earning valuable snaps on defense. So hopefully he can rectify the the bit of stiffness. I mean, he has a high center of gravity being, you know, as long and as big as he is. Hopefully he can rectify that stiffness because he's going to be tasked to play man coverage in Wink Martindale scheme. Yeah, absolutely. And if I remember correctly, Lane is a converted wide receiver. I think he, he played both and settled at cornerback at Michigan State. Like you said, he's a big, 
long corner. He's physical, so he's got that going for him. And that really does fit with him being a good special teamer. But also right now, we do have to recognize where the Giants are. They're picking guys off of the waiver wire. They're signing guys off of the street. You are not going to be finding Darrell Revis out there right now unless you actually go and get Darrell Revis, which I don't know, maybe the Giants might actually have to resort to giving him a call. We'll, we'll see what happens there. You know, we, we do have to temper our expectations at this point in the year with any roster additions. Other roster additions to the practice squad, Henry Mondu, a defensive lineman, was signed. I believe he's like 275, 280 pounds, so he's in a similar type of build to a player like Jalen Holmes, who I feel like might be a little bit more explosive than Mondu. And then Charles Wiley, an undrafted edge rookie out of, I believe, UTSA. So I don't want to have much on either of those players. And then somebody you mentioned before, Wyatt Davis, who was talked about as a as a day two, early day two pick, I think he ended up going in the third round, if I'm not mistaken, to the Minnesota Vikings, and he flamed out already because that was in 2020. That was two years ago, and I remember the draft community loved Wyatt Davis. I thought he had, I thought he was okay. I wasn't as high on everybody else. I, I just saw technical flaws with a player like Wyatt Davis, but I loved his mentality because he had that glass eating type of mentality, and he wanted to run through your face as a run blocker. But his leverage and his use of hands and his ability to sink his hands and his feet together and orient his hips in, in the right manner to maximize his blocks was something that I questioned dating back to his days at Ohio State. But still, I love the flyer on Wyatt Davis, interior offensive lineman for the New York Giants on their practice squad. Yeah, I think Davis does have a lot of upside as a pick. I did. I was high on him back during that draft, but I have to say the, the reasons why I was high on him was the, you talked about his mentality, his toughness, and also he does have good athletic tools, but he seems to have been one of those players where the athletic tools and the technique haven't, haven't managed to sync up yet. So maybe the giants can coach him up and get him to a place where he can really unlock that athletic ability. But right now, like you say, it's a good flyer to have taken. Agreed. And it's the 2021 draft class, not the 2020 draft class. So it's, uh, (laughs) he did not have a long time in in Minnesota and that's, that's pretty big draft capital, but hopefully Bobby Johnson can, can rectify his career and get him on the right path. That would be pretty awesome. But Chris, do you have anything else on these new additions? No, I think we've covered them about as well as we can. We'll have to see with the guys who are on the active roster, how they play when the Giants play the Tennessee Titans. And also just keep an eye on Tony Jefferson, because I don't think he's going to stay on the practice squad for very long. Yeah, especially when you think about the fact that the Giants might be using more safeties and you look at their third safety right now, Dane Belton's like how much up to speed is Dane Belton after suffering a broken collarbone that could lead to, you know, Pinnock getting a lot more snaps than maybe people originally anticipate or Tony Jefferson getting bumped up to the active roster. But Chris, I want to bring this up and we don't got to talk about it too much, but we know the Giants are in a cap situation that is horrendous. It's terrible. It it seems like it's been like this for, for quite a while, right? Logan Ryan is filing a grievance against the Giants that could, if the league settles with Logan Ryan, cost the Giants an extra $1.2 million against the cap. And for a team like the New York Giants, that is a whole lot. That's that's basically like $15 million for the New York Giants. That's at least what it seems like because they're in such cap hell. What's your read on this situation and how is this going to impact the New York Giants roster if the league decides to settle in the case of Logan Ryan? 
this could wind up being bad for the Giants. Right now, they're in a position where every cent matters. Moving on from, or parting ways with Blake Martinez, didn't really give them any cap relief. I think it wound up being about $175,000 thereabouts. But even so, that's something. Right now, the Giants have the worst salary cap of any team in the NFL. They are better than $5 million over the salary cap. They're, they are, once again, going to have to shed salary cap space just to be compliant, let alone have a rainy day fund. And if the league rules against the Giants, this could put them something like $6.5 million over the salary cap. And they have until Tuesday to get under the salary cap. So that could mean the Giants are going to cut or just trade Darius Slayton for a bag of balls for the extra two and a half million dollars. We could well see them, or we probably will see them restructure Leonard Williams contract, which is a thing they do not want to do because that really is just kicking the can further down the road. And they don't have a lot of really appealing options with their roster right now, but they're going to have to make some decisions. And they're going to need to give themselves some flexibility in terms of the cap once the season arrives, because injuries are going to happen. And there's one other player that we didn't mention, by the way, that the Giants actually signed, and that's Khalil Pimpleton, the wide receiver. This is somebody who is, uh, he's in the mold of a slot, man. He's like five foot seven and a half, 172 pounds, but he's very explosive. And he figures to be probably the kicker turner for the New York Giants. At least that's what it suggests because the Giants did end up signing him. And he, if anybody watches Hard Knocks, he was the player who was juggling the balls on Hard Knocks. On that third episode, he was kind of like the, one of the major players that Hard Knocks focused on. And I called this kid after I watched a little bit of his tape. I only saw a little bit, but I watched his touchdowns. And dude, this kid was the slot fade king, man. That guy caught so many touchdowns and had so many explosive plays just running slot fades all day. But that's not going to happen consistently in the NFL. Yeah, no, that I don't think that's really going to work. It is interesting that he, this is another player like Richie James, like Wondell Robinson, like Kadarius Tony, like uh, pretty much their entire wide receiving core who have a very, who has basically that one skill set where they're quick, they're agile, have great acceleration, very good movement skills, very good body control. And I have to say, I have been very impressed watching Pimpleton's tape with his body control and how he is able to contort himself in the air to expand his catch radius as much as possible and still be able to land inbounds. He is a very fun player to watch, and he is also a pretty scary punt returner. And I think that will be his role. But you're right, man. The, the archetype of the Giants wide receivers right now, they're they are all in a similar slot type of mold. Except for, you know, you have David Seals and you have Kenny Galladay. It's not like there's any negativity surrounding that guy, right? No, not at all. Not at all. None. <laughs> Before we get out of here, Chris, I just wanted to mention because it made its rounds on Twitter. And it's really important when you think of the upcoming draft and all the uncertainty with the New York Giants. Joe Shane is attending the Ohio State Notre Dame game this weekend. And dude, there are a lot of just powerhouse players, future first round picks on both of these rosters. Who do you think Joe Shane is going to be paying attention to the most? I, It's CJ Stroud. Easy. Let's be honest with ourselves. 
it's CJ Stroud. But yeah, quarterback, these are two by the way, very good teams. You know, Ohio State's got, I believe, the, uh, I believe Ohio State is the third ranked team in the country right now, and Notre Dame is the fifth. That preseason rankings, which mean approximately nothing. But these are two very good teams. They are absolutely stacked with NFL talent. And yeah, CJ Stroud is the attraction, but there's a bunch of good players on both rosters. You've got Jackson Smith and Jingla, wide receiver at Ohio State, Paris Johnson, their new left tackle. He was their guard last year. And I have to bring up, because we have talked about linebackers, Ohio State might have the captain of the all-name team in Steel Chambers, their linebacker. <laughs> well, Chris, it's not like the Giants might need a quarterback in C.J. Stroud or a wide receiver in Jackson Smith and Jigba or a guard in Paris Johnson or a linebacker in Steel Chambers. If you want to go to the Notre Dame side, they don't need a tight end in Michael Meyer. You know, It's not like they're hurting for any of these positions. Yeah, no, and just to stay over there on the Notre Dame side, Jarrett Patterson, offensive center. You got Brandon Joseph, a big athletic safety, formerly of Northwestern. I believe two years ago, he led the country in interception, so he's got some ball hawk to him. He can come, he can close down and play the run. And then you got Isaiah Foskey, the edge at Notre Dame. Yeah, there are there are a bunch of players to watch here and I do not blame Joe Shane for going to this particular game. No, you can't. There's a lot of, a lot of interesting guys that the giants will be paying attention to. Chris, do you have anything else before we get out of here? You know, I'm, I'm glad to see college football is back and I'm very curious to see what happens next Sunday against the Titans, but we've got, I think a couple more podcasts, but where we can talk about that. And we will be doing that over at BigBlueView.com and right here on the Big Blue View radio podcast. Please subscribe. And you know what? Please leave a comment as well. I mean, that can go a long way to helping the algorithm. And I realize that there's just not a lot of comments for this podcast. A lot of them are actually about the NFC East mixtape that has nothing to do with Big Blue View. It's just an SB Nation podcast that's released onto this feed. But if you guys could leave a five-star rating, if you want to trash us, that's fine. But just leave a five-star rating. That can go a long way, and I would really appreciate it. But for the New York Giants, for Chris, for me, we're heading out of here. Please take care of each other and have a lovely day, everybody. Peace. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.